You're listening to the Optimal State Podcast. Here we go. Hive Mind Detonation in three, two, one. Confronting the lies and bringing the truth to light. The, truth. the mainstream. You can't handle the truth. Has been put on notice. This is the Optimal State Podcast. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal State. You are with Senor Adam. And the J Rad, and uh, how's it going, Adam? What's happening? Uh, everything's going well so far. You know, no, no complaints. Uh, you know, trying to uh, you know see myself into uh, the revolution of the mind, man. Revolution of the mind. That sounds good. Sounds always nice to, because revolution ultimately is to cycle through, right? Is to revolve. Is to uh it's it's to not not uh be stagnant right so i feel like that's always a good thing you know you never want your mind to be in a stagnant place so revolution revolve. yeah right revolve exactly but i guess ultimately revolving too is like coming back <laughs> to the same place it's like you're going yeah. somewhere and well, you're yeah, grabbing you something revolve, and... you are revolve enough to not completely do a 360 obviously well you know i mean revolving you know the dervishes, like the, uh, like the holy der or uh, the holy spinning dervishes. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's in Islam, and they're actually these guys. They'll get together and they will spin around, and they will have uh, some sort of. I think they do it for a very long time, and I don't know much more about it than that. But I think that is supposed to be like a pretty transcendent experience. I hope that doesn't sound like I am putting down what it is it sounds pretty cool but uh yeah that's about all i know but that's like kind of revolving you know that's rotating that's becoming like a helicopter in a way yeah yeah uh totally i i think uh you know a friend Edgar casey says it's not whether uh what is it it's uh most important thing in life is to keep moving whether you're moving forward or backwards you know that's um, great you know because i mean yeah you think about it if you uh you're moving backwards you know, you have a learning experience and, you know, if you move forward, you know, you, you just kind of stay humble and, you know, you take that as an experience of itself, you know? Well, you know what? Hold up real quick. Cause you know, I'm actually pretty new in a lot of ways. Like I've known Edgar Casey with the name for a while, but I'm not like super into it. You kind of put me onto some stuff like recently. Um, do you want to just like give a little background on who he is or who he was and, kind of some stuff that he did why why he is very interesting to know about uh yeah sure uh i'd love to so edgar casey is he's called the sleeping prophet um he is a person that <clears throat> lived in the early 1900s and is uh and i think he, i believe he was born in kentucky and uh he ended up getting uh, a throat sickness which is i think believe called laryngitis now but at the time he didn't know what it was and uh, he couldn't even talk. He uh, when he spoke, he spoke in a whisper, and uh, he ended up going under hypnosis and being able to diagnose himself while he was in a trance. And the people that uh, he was around at the time ended up uh, <clears throat> wanting to record him. Eventually, it wasn't right away, but I guess as time grew on, he realized he had a gift, and uh, so he was able to eventually diagnose people in this trance-like state 
uh, all you needed was your name and address, and he would be able to give you any like really interesting life information, like past lives and uh, any medical ailments you might have, and all of it was holistic, um, which is really fascinating. He had no medical experience at all, but when he when he was in this trance, he was able to you know reach this um, what he called the source. They asked him like, "Oh, how you you know what are you connecting to that you were able to you know do this?" And he called it the source. Uh, was feeding him this information so it's just like a, a basically a giant hard drive of like everything that's ever happened in human history and every thought everything that's ever happened is just like in this hard drive so uh, it's, it's crazy well he lived too i think for context he lived in the late 1800s to the early, yeah, early 1900s 19, yeah early i mean a lot of his prediction was that is that he died in like the 1940s gotcha gotcha right i'm um, like looking yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, dude. I'm sorry. What were you saying? No, no, no. I was just about to say, you know, it's just really fascinating because, you know, he's got that whole library of all of his readings and um, there's really no explanation as to why he was able to do this other than ha genuinely having a gift because he didn't he didn't even want to have to make money. He just did it because he absolutely had to. And uh, that's why he has that library. Uh, you know, he wasn't like this guy going on television or trying to get people to um you know he wasn't trying to swindle everybody he wasn't a grifter he was just like this humble guy that really had a gift and it's a really amazing story uh and not a lot of people know about him you know and uh he uh <clears throat> the, the amazing thing that i've you know really got into was just like the past lives and where we all kind of come from as human beings that was always like the most interesting part and the spirituality there's so there's so much stuff out there that you can uh find on him and all of his readings and all this, all the people that he's helped. I mean, people came from all around the world and looked to him uh, seeking answers. And he felt that he had an obligation to these people, you know? So, man, when he was 10, supposedly he read the Bible uh, a dozen times, cover to cover, according to uh, uh, Wikipedia, is what I'm looking at right here. So, yeah, I mean, he's it's about, he's about Christian. Yeah, about. but I, that's, that's far out. I mean, I've heard of that like these people going into these like really immersing themselves in that there is a sort of poetic flow to how the bible is written it's very far out i mean that doesn't surprise me that you know 10 years old in the woods after going through uh reading the bible this many times it says that he encountered a woman with wings who told him that his prayers had been answered the woman asked him what he wanted most of all. Casey told biographer Thomas Sugru that he was frightened, but told the woman that he wanted to help others, especially children. And he eventually decided that he wanted to be a missionary. So that's like, that's pretty uh, profound experience to have as a young child. Um, and I mean, did people, I guess, for someone who like is a prophet, right? And someone who has uh, a lot of predictions, were there critics? Were there people who called him out on his claims who may have had some uh, proof, maybe even, that what he was saying wasn't wasn't legit? Well, I think there were people um, that would come and try to use his gift as for, like, you know, lottery numbers and all this stuff. But the interesting part about that was he would get sick when they would try to, like, use his gift for something that would be like for material gain like he would start getting these bad headaches so much where he wouldn't be able to do reading so he wouldn't be able to do stuff like that eventually because it actually like maybe i don't know what it was doing to him but it, like it was almost like his gift 
couldn't be used for stuff like that. They tried, you know, and uh, for, you know, I know there were groups of men that were trying to like use his gift as, you know, obviously, uh, you know, not good purposes, but, you know, uh, but yeah, it would make him sick and he'd get very bad headaches if he was giving readings about stuff like that. Well, okay. So I, because I'm not super familiar with Edgar Casey, I did pull up the Wikipedia page and disclaimer, you know, this isn't me advocating for Wikipedia. Obviously there are some people with agendas who make it their priority to edit, uh, this supposed uh, objective source of knowledge, which we know it isn't, but it, it, it leans a certain way. But uh, I'm under the section where it does say reception and controversy. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is stuff that I don't necessarily find that a lot of the stuff I don't find that far out. I find it far out that people are so close off to a lot of these things. But one of the things that Casey uh, saw in his trances was something um, related to Atlantis or the existence of Atlantis. And he had some other theories about uh, there were five races of people who were based on color, uh, aliens, giants. But, you know, I mean, he's not the only one who is, I mean, there are actual historical accounts of these things. So again, it's just, it's interesting when people say like, a lot of these things are just closed off, end of story. Yeah, we're not even touching on it. Well, something really interesting is he talked about the Asenis way before the, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls were ever even found. And the Asenis were like this Jewish sect of um, yeah, of Jews that actually he said at the time believed in reincarnation. And they and it's funny because years later they end up finding the Dead Sea Scrolls from the Asenis. And, uh, the, you know, so it's uh, very interesting that he talked about, like, this group of people that, like, how would he know these people existed? You know what I mean? And, uh, um, yeah, so, I mean, that that's a very interesting part of it that I, I noticed. And I think a lot of the controversy comes from, like, his predictions that didn't come true. But he even said himself that what he was saying wasn't definite because, like, the you know, the, the future isn't doesn't work that way the future isn't like defined because it's just so many different variables so he even said himself that the you know just the creative forces are in charge of basically the future you know and uh yeah human will and all this stuff there's just so much going on that he he couldn't you know there, there are things that you know have come true i mean he's one of the people that have said that uh, um that the magnet uh the earth's magnetism is going to flip and, you know, me and you were talking about that a few weeks ago about the uh, magnetic poles. And he's actually a person that has predicted that. Totally. Crazy stuff about that, too, is a lot of the uh, unexplained geological proof that supports a, a crazy uh, a magnetic pole shift, like something that a lot of skeptics would think is just so outlandish and so crazy. But there are. Uh, supposed strands of coral, fossilized strands of coral that go across what would suggest was an equatorial zone where modern day coral of this species can only live at in the present day. So there are bands of fossilized coral, like a belt going around the earth, but they're going through cold waters and then going down into the equatorial waters. So that's one of the things that you're like, hmm, where is the explanation for that? That's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess you could say that shifting tectonic plates, that could possibly play into it. But, uh, you know, these are like preserved lines of coral. 
moving on, you have in Siberia, you have these giant pits of, uh, again, bones, just tons of remains of prehistoric animals. And it, there's no explanation for why there would be so many in such a cold climate that couldn't have supported them that you would have needed a far warmer climate, such as the African savannas to support the uh, not only amount of animals, but the size of the animals that they found. You're finding woolly mammoths. You're finding saber-toothed tigers. Not only that, you're finding the bones in a lot of different or uh, yeah, you're finding them in a lot of different areas, but you're also finding intact animals um, in in like mid chew, like you're finding mammoths that have uh, cud in their mouth as though they were caught by surprise. So the theory goes, and it kind of lines up with some of uh, biblical stories that there was some sort of mud flood. There was some sort of great giant wall of water, mud, earth, just moving at a rapid speed. And it just caught everything up just like that. And what would that, what would bring that about would be something where, if the poles did move, they would move rapidly. So uh, if there was a shift of the pole of the uh, magnetic poles, um, what could possibly happen is the Earth's rotation could stop in that the friction between the crust and the mantle would loosen just enough due to the poles, due to the electromagnetic friction created by the poles that loosening so what you'd have is almost like the skin on an orange loosening off the inner fruit and the fruit would continue to spin so the mantle would continue to spin but the crust would stop but what would happen on the surface is the momentum of the earth's spin would still continue even if the crust stopped due to its weight and you'd have a shift of the ice caps which are already way to one side i believe the north pole is something like it's it's uh one side to the other it's like it's a it's a gross imbalance so and they think that this happened this has happened over history like over the earth's history that the ice will gap due to the tilt of the earth's axis the ice will gather on one side a little heavier and when the the pole shifts which is doing very rapidly right now if you and i, th I actually think they stopped tracking it that's how fast it's moving they stopped tracking in the last like two, three years, uh, but the poles are supposed to be moving right now. And they say throughout history that happens, then the crust could move. So yeah, it's far out, but I mean, it could explain a lot of theories for why maybe there were ancient civilizations that existed before now um, that could have built and had like really advanced technology that we can't even comprehend that could have done things that we can't even comprehend. And then why there's this history of a mud flood. So. Yeah. Well, Edgar Cayce said Atlantis destroyed themselves that the people were able to uh, <clears throat> harness energy and they did it. So in a way that they destroyed themselves. And it, it's kind of funny because it kind of reminds me of like what we're doing. Um, you know, he describes like the people of, um, of that time, uh, almost not like earthly beings like us. See, I, I forget how he described them, but they weren't humans. They were like these other spiritual beings that ended up destroying themselves. Um, you know, it's definitely interesting, and uh, you know, it, and it's funny that we were talking about the pole shifts and all that other stuff because I was thinking about, you know, like I I, I think like a good segue 
to that would be, you know, how do we want to live our lives? You know what I mean? How do we want to live in uh, in a way that that we're not like scared? Because if you think about it, there's a lot, there's so much fear being projected at us. And like, what kind of lives do we want to live? You know, do we want to, you know, like I live by the water, you know, do I want to be scared that I'm going to get hit by a, a, a you know, a, a freaking nuke or a, a freaking tsunami? Uh, do, you, do you live your life knowing that these things could happen, but you just kind of, you know, continue on? Uh, it, it's interesting because, you know, we, we talk about moving all the time. And I was thinking about like moving to Florida and like moving to Florida would be much different than living in a landlocked place where, you know, you can have a lot of property and you'd be like kind of high up and, you know, because you don't really know what's going to happen. But how do you how do you decide to, where to live your life? You know, how do you do you want to, you know, do you want to live on a coastal place where, you know, if something happens, you wouldn't really have, you know, much of a chance of getting out? Do you want to live in a place where? You know, if something did happen and something went down, the people around you and the community around you would turn against you and it would just be all for one, you know, and you'd have to protect yourself or your family. Or do you want to live in a place that's going to be, you know, ready to go when something like that happens? Or do you want to live in like a condo or, you know, enjoy your life and just chill out, you know? And it's it's very interesting because all the fear that's being projected at us now uh, makes you kind of rethink about how you want to live your life, you know? Yeah, totally. Where I think it makes you want to, I mean, my, my pretty personal opinion on that is I'm, I'm kind of the latter thing you said where like you're chilling in your condo. I think, yeah, we're, we're questioning that, right. Where I think that that's the lifestyle that's sort of, uh, you know, hedonistic do as thou wilt, very boomer mindset sort of way of life. I think that's kind of where we're at, right. We're all questioning that. Um, but and because of the situations that we're all in that we're that we're facing and uh and that the same the same mindset that uh has has wrought for us so um yeah well, dude, I, you I know, think... it, all, it all depends on what the circumstances are too because you know sometimes people have to be, be in certain circumstances they don't really ask for it you know what i mean and it's like you know whether it's like oh i gotta go take care of my sick brother in Vermont, which I don't really want to do, but I have to do anyway. You know what I mean? Like there's always some sort of circumstance. That sometimes well, yeah. Happens. Duty, duty comes above all else. But yeah, I think going back to your point about fear, it only becomes fear where there's no action being taken, right? Where you are incapacitated, uh, are helpless, uh, but like of your own accord, you know, I mean, being helpless because someone else is like, you know, or some, some other force is like oppressing you in some actual legitimate way. Um, you know, not some hokey like SJW way, uh, more something along the lines of, you know, you're actually being restrained in some fashion. But uh, yeah, no, I think, um, dude, I just think ultimately we really do need to kind of reject what is all being sold to us from every angle because it's coming at us from every angle. And I think the only way to do that is really to retreat back to, uh, retreat to the mountains metaphorically and figure or and literally uh really is what kind of needs to happen you know i think uh these a lot of things need to be brought right back to basics yeah i mean what do you think about that uh i agree uh i i I do feel i do feel like there might be a conflict that you might have because i have it too you know i mean i i just read this crazy book uh called one second after and uh you know, I, I won't get too into it, but it ultimately goes into, I'd actually wouldn't mind doing like a book 
review on it later. Uh, but we could talk about that, possibly doing an episode on that later. But the idea is that an EMP goes off over the United States and ultimately the United States is sent back 500 years into the past, tech, technology, technologically speaking. Um, you know, people have no electricity in any capacity. Cars don't work. Uh, refrigeration doesn't work. They can't make drugs. They can't make plastics. They can't uh, pave their roads. They can't heat their homes. It's It reverts back to like medieval warfare within a month or two. People just fighting for scraps of food. It's it's far out. Highly recommend the book, dude. I, I might actually send you a copy. Um, uh, remind me later. But uh, yeah, this is the sort of stuff that, that like, it's just that that's like an actual existential threat, but it's the rest of it is like, besides that, you know, I mean, it's coming at us from every other angle. They're, they're trying to slowly kill us, whether it's uh, the jabs, whether it's radiation coming from everything, whether it's the, the carcinogenic foods, whether it's just living a pointless, useless life, which a lot of people are really buying into in a proud sort of way these days. Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I just wanted to kind of point that out. Just, um, you know, I feel like we're all we all kind of have a conflict right now, but it's it, we almost don't have a choice, it, it seems. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I agree with everything you said. We, we do need to um, find a, a place for ourselves that we can really rely on one another. Um, you know, it's kind of where my sister bought like, I think she bought like 120 acres with four people and they all split it 160 acres, you know, that way they can all rely on each other. If shit goes down, you know, and it was just a smart move, you know, because you get, Super you, smart know, move. you know, and they, they have um, a chicken coop where for, uh, they all, they all once a month, they all switch and they all take care of it once a month. Um, so, you know, it, it, they're smart, but it, it, that's down in Georgia and, uh, very um it is very forward thinking because even you know that, that this putin speech said that they're trying to get you know make uh, to knock the dollar off the you know world leading currency list and that way they can uh you know de-dollarize the whole world and that's what's going to end up collapsing america and i know that i brought that up maybe not the last podcast or the podcast before that because that is like to me the uh the ultimate uh, weapon that's going to be used against the United States is, you know, its own fiat system. And when that collapses, I mean, you know, like we talk about it, you know, it's going to look like California with the shanties. Uh, I listened to uh, oh, man, maybe like, uh, maybe like a year ago, I listened to this interview uh, with this guy and he was in um I, I think he knew like David Rockefeller and all these people because he was involved with like the non these like nonprofit foundations and like how they were able to like write so much stuff off. I, I forget who uh who was doing the interview. Um the guy that wrote Jekyll Island. Um oh um oh my god what uh Griffith, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert C. Griffith, is that his name? Something like that. Robert, so e. I have to... Robert E. Griffin. Yeah. That's uh, I'm, that's I'm sorry, right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to get his name wrong, but uh um, yeah, he did the interview and he said that uh, he was alive during the Great Depression and he saw people with mansions and yachts become broke overnight because of the 1929 crash. You know, what I mean, these are people that like, you know, were living well and had boats and they literally became like 
peasants and like living on the side of the street. And that's what we're facing. And everyone wants to think, oh, well, never, you know, my father says, oh, never in America. And that's where, that's the, like, the ultimate slip. That's what slip. every, they all yeah. thought that, though. Every single person yeah. thought that. Like, never again. Hey, my belly's full. Yeah. You know, like, my, my cellars are full. My neighbors love me. Uh, I don't know how to like, till my land. <laughs> it's But it's all good. Who cares? Uh, yeah, I mean, and totally. the barbarians run in and then that's it. And it's like, good night. They are, you know, are wording your wife and right in front of you. And then they're going to it's just it's it could get so dark, so barbaric so quickly, you know, and it's just because the lights are on and our bellies are full. And, uh, you know, what's it called? The mass singers on tonight or the Super Bowl, you know, that we uh yeah. Which that whole stuff, you know, man, I thought a little bit about it. And I actually, not to not to completely like spin off topic here. Actually, forget it. I'm, I'll, I'll bring it up another time. Um, let's let's kind of stick with what we're talking about here because I feel that's so off topic. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, what were you we saying? You were saying something? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it's the, you know, and everybody's saying it's the end. Um, it's the It's the end because... They want the countries that have relied on us, like perfect examples like Saudi Arabia, you know, obviously it's a mutual agreement. Like all these countries that have used us have now been able to enrich themselves to the point where, you know, they're not going to need us anymore. Oh, totally. And, and they tank, and, they, they help to tank the dollar. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. That, and that's that, what's that going to end no up happening. The, the petrol dollar is going to, you know, the, uh, Saudi Arabia is going to start accepting. You know, they're, they're, they're already talking about thinking about accepting different currencies for their oil. But that's what's going to be the um, the ultimate kick in the balls for America is when that happens. And then that, that's when they'll usher in their, you know, their currency, of the digital currency of choice. And, uh, you know, after it's all been inflated and devalued and there's nothing. Maybe they'll say, hey, you turn in for every $10, you, you turn into the bank, we'll give you a dollar. You know, uh, overnight, just making you your wealth just just de uh, decrease. You know, you'll you know you'd be a millionaire and be worth nothing. You know, so that yeah, I think that's what we're up against, and um, it's uh it's gonna be interesting. And I I think you know we have five ten years. I mean, at at best, I mean, there's just no way they can keep it up. I mean, maybe they could. I mean, think about it. Like your father moved to the the woods. For that reason, you know what I mean? Like my grandfather hid food in the basement for that same reason, because they, you know, they knew that the system was flawed and eventually something was going to happen. And that, you know, people wouldn't do that unless they, you know, they feared something was amiss. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that like, that almost goes back to what you're saying about fear, because I, I, that, Running away to the woods, I, I don't think, even though I did say that earlier, like going to the mountains, both literally and metaphorically, I don't think living in isolation is necessarily the answer. You said it earlier, community, you know, that your sister yeah. has like people around her that she has chickens with and that church, she has church affiliation with. I think that's key. That That's uh, relying on each other is a, is a necessity. You can't be like a lone wolf going forward because I think the lone wolf mentality also is that in five to 10 years, we're done. This shit's over. It's toast. Uh, you know, as opposed to 
going back to the revolution idea or the rotation idea, you know, is that we're coming around into something. It's just another cycle. You know, it's just how do you how do you ride it? How do you look forward? How do you have the right sort of vision and keep your keep your head on right? What's happening? And it's it, that's why you can't help but think it's deliberate is that they're they're just fooling people like so deliberately like so in their face i mean the whole biden charade is insane like what they're trying to do you know his whole tour over to ukraine and poland as though it's some momentous un you know it's never happened before all these bit high high words of of praise for the guy could bear when you watch him the guy could barely walk like you know in his head he's just thinking don't trip don't trip oh please don't trip that'll hurt so bad I almost sound like Bill Clinton a little bit, but you know. What I'm well, saying? the whole point is to make well, the whole point is to make mockery of the system and people lose faith in their institutions and their president and all that stuff. I mean, think about it. Like the last, you have you know George Bush, Jr., and then you have Obama, and then you have Trump, and then you have Biden. I mean, if this is the best we can do, <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. And 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 the whole point is we're gonna put a show on in front of everybody. And everybody's going to think it's real. And it's not because the real deals are hidden. The real deals are, you know, in the paperwork that they give to the senators that are fucking 5,000 pages and the lobbyists have written. You know, that's where everything's going down. Right. Everything else is just a show. And the Biden thing is just so people know that America is collapsing and they witness it every day. And I'm no, I'm not a Trump supporter. I, I, I hate all these politicians. I think they're all scum. Um, you know, there's not very a lot of good, uh, a lot of good ones left, unfortunately. Um, so I, I am very critical of most of them. But it's just unfortunate because now it's just like, you know, with Trump, it's like, all right, well, he was entertaining. That was the one. I mean, if I don't like somebody, at least he's entertaining. Um, you know, Biden is like nothing. He's not even. Um, and, and and the whole point, politics even isn't even supposed to be entertaining. And that's how they've made it now. They've just made it to like you sit in front of the tube and oh man, look at that guy. It's idiocracy. It's it's, it's, yeah, it's exactly. idiocracy. Like, oh, he makes me so mad. I hate him. Oh, you know they you know and, and they all do it right left. They they play the same game. You know and they know that these people are so well hated that it polarizes um, politics. Because each side feels, oh, I hate Trump. And then the other side now, oh, my God, I hate Biden. And it just creates this polarization, and that's the whole point. The whole point is it's a lie, and the the game is rigged, and that that politics is just a show, and it's not real. And, you know, it's like Ron Paul said, freaking Nancy Pelosi and whatever the guy's name is, freaking, I don't know, where whoever the – the like, Chuck Schumer, yeah. Well, not, well, not, well, Nancy Pelosi and whoever was not Kevin McCarthy, whoever was the previous, uh, whoever that guy from Kentucky is, like the, the, the douche. Oh, uh, yeah, how quickly he yeah, faded yeah, into yeah, obscurity, yeah. right? Yeah, Mitch McConnell, oh, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. says, like, you know, they they argue in front of the cameras, but behind closed doors, they're shaking each other's hands. So, how seriously could you take the whole thing? And oh, more than that, too, man. I think they're doing the worst of the worst. Now, I don't think like like I'm not saying like swinger parties. I don't. I think they're well beyond that. But they get their kicks in far more depraved ways, and I'm sure they they know like such dark dirt on each other that. But to them, it's well, just it's yeah, funny. It's like you take one down, the whole they they all come down, and they, right. they, the whole thing is like 
house of cards, dominoes, you know, and that's how the whole, that's how the system is. That is how the system that we always talk about operates. It's just, it's literally holding on by a thread. And as soon as something happens, that's like cataclysmic, like we had COVID, but they were able to print all that money to kind of pump everything up and keep everything civilized. But it just, you know, the balloon's going to pop and everything's going to come crashing down. And they know that. I mean, these billionaires wouldn't be buying bunkers if they thought so. You know, people wouldn't be, you know, I think they said that most ammo ever sold and guns ever sold has been in the past two years. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you know, I think it sounds like we're pretty blackpilled. That would be my take on our conversation. Almost that we're a little cynical, but uh, au contraire. I think what we're trying to do here is actually present the facts. We're trying to present the truth uh, in a way that is, uh, you know, intentionally, I wouldn't say confrontational, but I mean, we're, we're kind of just, we're going at it. I think, and I think it requires that there, there almost could be no compromise in how we want to look at things as they currently are, right? Like the, the systems that we are, the system that we are inheriting uh, and ultimately what that will produce it by looking at it that critically is I hope uh, the pathway to the optimal state for you, our listener. And we hope that you guys are finding value from our show. Uh, we really thank you guys for listening to us. And if you want to write in and have something that you want us to read on air or just say, hey, please hit us up at optimalstatepod at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at optimalstatepod, both on Instagram and Twitter. We're going to do more stuff on there. We don't do anything on there right now, but we will do more. And uh, yeah, Adam. Anything you want to share with the listenership before we? Yeah, thank you, thank you, up? everybody. Uh, yeah, thanks uh, everybody for listening. Um, you know, and it does. We do. May it might sound negative what we're saying, but it's not because I didn't. We just want people to know uh, what you know. This generation is going to be inheriting, and what people need to do to uh, to be successful in this next phase that will eventually come. You know, it might be 10, 20, 30 years, but eventually, you know, we're, we're going to have to move on from uh, from all of this in a way that is uh, meaningful because they're, they're just trying to suck meaning out of everything and just make everybody like mindless drones. And, and that means people, being builders and creators, really, you know, going yeah. forward. Like, I think that's really ultimately, you know, coming out of the, the wreckage, we need an army of builders and creators is... Uh, yeah, or, less, uh, like less, right. less. Don't think, just do types. You know, because that, that you know, and that COVID kind of showed us who those people are. Um, because one Did. thing that we should be allowed to do is be able to free to, to think freely and say anything we want, as long as it's not harming other people in an indirect way, in a way that you know, um, that is that's not slanderous, obviously. But, you're, you know, your thoughts and ideas and your creativity should be allowed um, to uh, be out there and, and for public viewing and not be canceled or scrutinized to the fact where, you know, you're just getting lambasted with all this, you know, negative crap. Uh, you know, we're human beings and we all deserve a voice. And we 
are trying to use our voice to help you. So we encourage you to use your voice to help others. Amen, dude. I think we'll end with that. Perfectly said. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next episode. Later. Later.